But all I'm asking is, pay your fair share. President Biden's son, Hunter, has cut a deal with the Justice Department. He has pled guilty to two misdemeanor counts of failing to pay federal taxes. Pay your fair share. The two charges are related to his failure to pay taxes. But at least pay your fair share. Hunter Biden allegedly spent 25 grand from an account linked to Joe Biden to pay for a prostitute in 2018. Pay your fair share. According to the New York Post, Hunter Biden illegally deducted tens of thousands of dollars in payments made to a prostitute and sex club. Pay your fair share. Since when do we blame the sins of the son on the father? Well, since the father continues to say things like this. I'm very proud of my son. We blame the father because the son was making sure to set apart 10% for whoever the big guy was. Well, since the apple doesn't fall far from the corrupt tree, that's why we blame the father. Biden seems to be claiming Kinnick's vision and life as his own. Why is it that my wife is sitting out there in the audience is the first in her family to ever go to college? Why is Dennis the first woman in her family in a thousand generations to be able to get the university. My ancestors who worked in the coal mines in Northeast Pennsylvania don't come up after 12 hours and play football. Eight hours underground and then come up and play football. It's because they didn't have a platform upon which to stand. There was no platform upon which they could stand. Well, on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship, went back to law school and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only 123 credits. Biden now concedes he did not graduate in the top half of his law school class, that he does not have three degrees from college, and that he was not named outstanding political science student in college. Newsweek says Biden actually went to school on a half scholarship, ended up near the bottom of his class, and one only one degree, not three. Well, I'm not sure you should assume I'm not corrupt, but I'm thank you for that, though. Joe Biden has been lying for a living, well, since about 3000 BC, when he first said he created fire and told that young lady in the garden to go ahead and eat from that tree because it's not a big deal after all. Oh, wait, wait a second, never mind. That, that wasn't him, that was another deceiver. Or was it? There used to be a time in America where fathers looked more like Andy Griffith. And when the sons did something wrong, the fathers made sure that their sons owned up to their crack addiction, fixation with prostitutes, irresponsible gun ownership, thievery, extortion, and more. Remember all the chatter about Trump's kids? Trump's children and the tangle that awaits. This was an attempt to say that Ivanka was going into business with the Japanese and that that presented a conflict of interest. Quote, the Trump kids are no longer apolitical. Okay, you got them. That's it. They're going to vote for their dad. Guilty as charged. And how about this one? Trump's children take in millions overseas as President Trump slams Biden's son. Okay, I get it. Wherever evil exists, we have to be honest enough to call it on both sides, right or left. But can we also be honest enough that we stop equating apples and oranges? Hunter Biden's only workable skill is snorting coke off the backside of prostitutes. So how did this fool of a man get to the place where he owes over a million dollars in back taxes if he isn't the most corrupt public official son in the history of Parmesan cheese smokers? If there's anything that makes you think we're experiencing a fatherhood crisis, it must be the numbers that we see in the black community where over 75% of black kids do not have a father in the home. 
Now, the fatherhood crisis is real, and it's much bigger than a single community. Globally, the average of single-parent homes sits around 7%. But America is crushing that because we have goals, and over 23% of the homes in America are single-parent homes. With minors being butchered in gender clinics, babies being aborted by the hundreds of thousands, China on the move, ESG controlling major corporations, CRT dividing people based upon race, feminism, silent while men crush female spaces, and not to mention the whole basis of civil rights in this country, there's one issue that might sit at the heart of it all, and that's fatherlessness. Today, we'll look at the patriarch of the patriarchs, Joe Biden and his crime family and what they've been up to. And then I'll show you that he is not only an unfit president, but an unfit father. Because if he can't lead his own family, what business does he have leading this country? And then I'll show you a good father, a father who dared to parent his son differently. And as a result, that little boy saved a bus load of children and a bus driver that was having a health episode. And finally, I'll show you Pastor Andrew Cedra, who is facing major backlash from the legacy media right now for standing up against all of the things that we're seeing going on in our country, especially when he had some things to say about the LGBTQIA plus rabbit foot unicorn four leaf clover community. I'll show you that and more today on Indie Thinker. Welcome to the show. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. If you are sick and tired of trusting other people with your finances and you finally awakened to the reality that there is nobody who's going to handle your finances better than you can, you finally may have come to the realization that all responsible adults must come to at some point in their life that you have a personal responsibility for your family's financial future. It's not magic but it does take a little bit of forethought. It takes going to organizations like our friends over at Element Home Loans. The Kevin Blair team at Element Home Loans can not only help you get pre-approved for a home, but they've got some amazing packages that will help you get into that home at a low cost. If you really care about your family's financial future and making wise business decisions for your family, then you need to check out everything they can do for you. Not only can they help you get in a new home or maybe invest in the real estate market, but they can even help you somewhere down the road when Joe Biden is no longer the president, find interest rates that actually make sense. And then they can help you refinance your home totally for free. But to see everything they can do for you, you need to go to kbmtg.com. And when you do so, let them know that Indie Thinker sent you. This past weekend, we celebrated the overturning of Roe v. Wade with our local Pregnancy Resource Center and many people in our community, along with the church that I attend. And we did a walk for life in honor of those unborn who were taken from us too soon, and also the great victory that we have celebrated in this country via the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Now, I'll save a lot of the celebration and some comments about the anniversary of the overturning of Roe v. Wade for the show on Thursday. You'll want to check that out. But for now, I'll just say, while many of us, there was hundreds of us walking down this path that uh, that we had marked out for the Walk for Life, we, we had some dis disturbances along the way. And it mostly came in the form of elderly people who apparently, when they put spandex on and a bike helmet on, think somehow that they're a hero and they need to make their way through the crowd 
because they're fighting crime or some such nonsense and they need to get to their destination before it's too late and any more innocent people are hurt. Because very often throughout this walk, we found that there were people dinging their little dorky bells and screaming at people who were walking on this path that was supposed to be for walkers and runners, and they were yelling at us to move over for them. Now, it's not enough that the bicyclist community in most major cities around America have been arguing and felt entitled to a piece of the road. Uh, I guess they just want to hang out with the big boys and cars and pretend that they're one. But uh, it's not enough that they've done that. But now they are also demanding that they have the right of way on paths that are meant for walkers and runners. What is it with the entitlement of these people? The moment they just step on a bike, all of a sudden they think they're Lance Armstrong. Now, I, I guess I bring that up because it is not just young kids, Gen Z, Gen Y, who have this problem of entitlement. It is also older people. In fact, entitlement is a real issue in society today. Now, it might be because we have slowly but surely allowed a different ideology than the one that actually builds up the kind of families that would help kids with their entitlement. What I mean by that is this, is Hegel, a long time ago, he is a darling of the Marxist and a darling of the left, said that anything that stifles individual liberty is a form of the totalitarian state. Now, you might think for an intellectual, that's an overly broad and pretty generic statement, but he actually means something very specific. He means Anything whatsoever that stifles individual liberty is a part of the totalitarian state, like anything. So he means a mom and a dad raising a child and telling that child what to do is actually a form of the totalitarian state. In fact, other Marxists would come along and say exactly that, that the nuclear family is the totalitarian state in miniature. Now, why, you might ask? Well, that is because... Well, of course, parents are stifling the individual liberty of young children. This is where you get things like the age of consent being discussed among us now, not for alcohol, not for driving, but for the sake of the youngest children being able to chop off their body parts. Of course, we all know that parents, their main job basically is to keep a child from destroying themselves on a regular basis. Because anytime I hear my boys say, hey, dad, watch this. I am typically ready to go catch them off the roof or something like that because kids don't have the ability to actually consent to very much because they are kids at the end of the day. But because our society has become so in love with individual liberty and consent as the only moral principle that should govern our lives and not really like the morality of Christian scripture or authentic morality that can be founded upon objective moral truths, no, those things should be pushed aside, and actually, as long as you consent to something, well, then it must be it must be good. Well, of course, the Hegelian and the Marxist ideas that have overrun our country have really done a number of things. Not only have they broken down our institutions, but they have broken down the premier institution in society, and of course, that is the family. It is the building block of every society throughout the history of the world. A mother and a father raising children. It is essential to any thriving community. 
But of course, we can see in numerous ways in which the breakdown of the nuclear family has impacted kids and is continuing to impact our society. Case in point, I want to try to read to you today a story that by this point you are probably familiar with, but one that we need to look at from a different perspective. And that is that Hunter Biden has been peddling his father's influence for his own selfish gain without being stopped. And one can't help but wonder why. Case in point. This article from ABC News says this, Hunter Biden's alleged WhatsApp message fuels GOP assertions of corruption even after plea. Now, one of the reasons I'm bringing up this story is not just to show you the breakdown of the nuclear family and some of the repercussions of it, especially in the highest halls of our democracy, but, but more importantly, also to help you think on these things, which if you're a Christian, is a great exhortation found in the Bible, but also if you're not a Christian, a great exhortation just generally speaking. And that's what this show is dedicated to. Yes, a perspective and yes, a point of view that comes from the Christian conservative right, but but also an, an opportunity to give you some things to think about, food for thought. So let me give you some food for thought with that headline that you just read, Hunter Biden's alleged. Now the alleged is pretty common course, but alleged WhatsApp messages. Let, let's just know that that message is not so alleged. It, it actually happened. Um, the, the news media tried to do the best that they could to suggest that the laptop where this message was found was Russian disinformation. Boggles the mind as to why they might do that when it contains stuff like this. So this message is alleged, but alleged, you can put a new word in there. This message that is 100% accurate, it, uh, again, the headline says, fuels GOP assertions of corruption. You know, if the ABC News folks were actually interested in doing what they say their job is, and that would be to actually, you know, be journalists and, and tell the news, it would also fuel their, you know, curiosity as to what's really going on with Hunter Biden and really going on with Joe Biden. Now, furthermore, it says it not only fuels GOP assertions of corruption, but it says even after plea. Now, the real desperate people making a plea here is ABC. I mean, come on. We've already gone after Hunter for uh, throwing a gun in a dumpster right outside of a high school. Uh, and we've already gone after Hunter for lying about being a drug addict when he purchased that gun in the first place. And we've already gone after Biden, uh, Hunter Biden for you know, gaining what ostensibly is tens of millions of dollars, who knows how, maybe not with those finger paintings, I might suggest, but gaining tens of millions of dollars that now he has to pay millions of dollars in back taxes on without actually presenting any workable skills. So the idea here is this. Hunter Biden has already made a plea. Isn't that enough? You know, he's paying for his crimes, except there are a lot more crimes that this man has participated in that we demand answers for. And if the media was actually doing their job, they would demand them too. But ABC News goes on to tell us exactly what that WhatsApp message said. And this is Hunter Biden speaking to a Chinese businessman. It says this, and Z, if I get a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang, or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge that you will regret not following my direction. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father's. That's right. If you were wondering who that person is sitting with Hunter Biden, it is none other than Joe Biden, the future president of the United States. Now, again, I come back to this idea, even after the plea, why are people still going on about Hunter Biden?
Well, here's why. The allegation is that Joe not only interfered with Hunter getting harsher punishments for the crimes he was just convicted of, but also that he enriched himself from his office by accepting bribes through his son from foreign officials. Now, here's the real problem with this couple at the end of the day. The real problem is, as I tried to hopefully illustrate at the beginning of this, that we cannot trust the mainstream media to tell us the truth. So we are only left with our suspicions fueled even more because we know that we will never hear the truth. This is the sad reality about all of this in the conservative media um, talking head like myself who doesn't acknowledge this is really just trying to perpetuate their brand more so than actually be real with you guys. We will talk about this ad nauseum. We will continue to talk about this until Joe Biden is no longer president. But the truth is, unfortunately, we will never truly know what took place because Joe Biden is never going to have to stand and answer for any of the things that he did while he was the vice president or while he is the president. Already this man has gotten away with some of the worst travesties in our recent memory, not only with the Afghanistan withdrawal, but the repeated ways in which the military has bombed complete innocent people for no reason other than like sheep herding. This has happened twice in the Biden administration, that the military has just shot rockets at completely innocent people. Whether that comes as a result of faulty information or intel that went wrong or even a mistake, just those things alone, Joe Biden will never answer for. But but we find ourselves here once again having a mountain of evidence that will stand before us. And all we are left with is our conjecture and basically using common sense to tell us what we already know. And so it's important that we would be willing to follow that common sense wherever it leads. Now, before I get to the most important point, the other kind of response I have to this is just simply this. A lot of people are curious as to whether or not the GOP, who is now in charge of the House with people like Jim Jordan um, on committees that can go after these kind of crimes, if they are wrong to not just go ahead and impeach Joe Biden so that we can actually get to the bottom of this. Now, I'm going to tell you what I think about it. I, I, I know a lot of people are saying that it's either calculated or it's weak. You know, the Democrats, when they were in charge, they went after Trump for far less on multiple occasions. And that is undeniably true. However, I don't think the tip for tack is actually what we should be interested in. I don't think we should do it just because they did it. I think there is a sense in which we are better than, than them. And more than anything, if we look at what the Democrats did while Trump was in office, we realized that it all came to nothing and it was exposed eventually that these people were just simply lying, that all of these trumped up, pun intended, impeachments were nothing more than political hackery. And the same thing will happen to the GOP if they merely go after Biden without the the necessary evidence to truly impeach Joe Biden. So my position on all of this is that I think the GOP is actually being methodical here and actually being much more wise than the Democrats in taking their time to impeach Joe Biden. I think we will see before too long that Joe Biden will be impeached and he will be impeached with cause. And then my hope is that that impeachment will go far enough to show the American people what kind of president we have in office. Because if the mainstream media in cahoots with the Democratic Party could convince 
the vast majority of Americans still to this day that Donald Trump was some type of Russian cat's paw. It's my hope that the truth can truly make people free and that when people hear it, they can recognize it for what it is. Now, that may be incredibly optimistic. I realize that the lies that the media tells and that Democrats tell travel halfway around the world before the truth can even get its pants on. But it doesn't deny the fact that the truth still is powerful and those who peddle in it will make the biggest difference. So I appreciate the fact that the GOP is taking their time with this thing. But more importantly, I think this story, going back to the real theme of the show today, is really just singular in, in its importance. Because regardless of what happens politically, I think all of us as conscientious citizens need to be honest about what is happening in our society. That Hunter Biden is essentially the repercussions of a generation of adults, both men and women, who entered the workforce and mostly left their kids at home unattended very often as they were growing up. Hunter Biden is what is called one of the latchkey kids. He, he, like myself, whenever I came home from school, came home to an empty house. And I was left with video games in living color and Hot Pockets or Pizza Bites to sustain myself until my parents actually got back into the home. And kids that are growing up in that generation back then and even probably more so to this day, which probably there's... It's not the latchkey kid generation, it's the screen time kid generation. All of these kids are suffering from the fact that parents are placing priorities in their life that do not place primacy upon their kids, or more importantly, the spiritual primacy of their role as a parent. I mean, I know what some of you are saying. I'm sure Joe Biden did the best that he could do. I'm sure Joe Biden was a great father, and, and not all fathers are responsible for what their children do. While that is undeniably true, I hope we can see by the character of the man in office and the repeated ways in which he has lied to people throughout his whole career, whether that's speeches, whether that's his college career, or whatever else he has lied about, hopefully we can see that this man who has chased money and fame is really one of the major reasons that Hunter Biden is the man that he is. And what we need to cure that is good fathers in America, once again, is people who understand that a real man doesn't let the TV raise his kids, but it is his responsibility to raise his kid. And more importantly, it is not social media's or apps' responsibility in the present for, uh, to raise your kids. It is your job as a parent to raise your kids. As we'll see in our next story, there is one father who decided to parent his child totally differently, and as a result of it, lives were saved. So a young man, a young boy that looks to be all of about maybe 12, 13 years old, is on a school bus, and as you'll see on the clip I'm about to show you, reacted quickly while all the other kids around him sat in their seats. And when the bus driver had a health episode that made that bus driver go unconscious, this young man ran to the front of that bus, stopped the bus, and kept these kids from careening into oncoming traffic. Here's a story. Check it out. The officer went on to explain, and security footage shows, how Dylan noticed the driver was having a medical emergency and immediately sprang from his seat. I just knew what to do in that moment. The bus was swerving off the road. So Dylan took the wheel, hit the brake, and gained control of the situation, saving driver and students. A true hero, no doubt. But we still had a question. 
Why didn't anyone else notice what was happening? Well, turns out... Had my AirPods in. Virtually every kid... I was looking at my phone. ...was on a device. I was on my phone playing a little game. We hear a lot about the consequences of too much screen time. But one thing I never considered until now is the loss of situational awareness. What's happening around them? And yet somehow, at least one kid on that bus instantly recognized what was happening. Any guesses as to why? I know why, because my son does not have a cell phone. Now, as a Christian, I have to have a moment of public confession before you all. I, like most parents, allow my kids to take our phones with, with limited time frames so that they can watch their favorite shows or even play a little game from time to time. And we just recently have started getting convicted about this. And so my wife and I took screens away from our kids. Now, not just the little screens that follow us wherever we go in life, but also the screen in our living room. And I found something very interesting took place when we took those screens away from my kids. What my two boys started doing in the moment that those screens were taken away is they started fighting with each other a lot. Now, this is what most parents do. When your kids start fighting or your kids start to get bored, you give them to give them something to occupy themselves with. Well, when screens aren't around, we find that our kids start kind of coming up and being creative with ways to occupy their time. Now, for boys, that is to punch the daylights out of each other, to jump on each other, and do the most ridiculous things you've ever seen in your life. That That is having boys. While girls, very much at the age of my two boys, uh, you know, want to play with dolls and want to uh, do tea parties and dress-ups and that kind of stuff, boys tend to want to crush each other's skulls. So that's what my boys immediately went to. Now, while that may not be the most productive thing that they can do with their time, it does show me one thing, that when kids are not being forced to allow someone else to tell them what to do with their time, they have to start thinking for themselves about what to do with their time. And of course, when they start wrestling that like that, we send our boys outside so that they can go kill each other where we don't have to listen to it. Now, I, of course, I'm just joking, but I hope we understand at this point in time, the repercussions of screens go far beyond the repercussions of social media. The screen itself is a diversion to real life all around. And that's what this report really shows us when this journalist actually does some journalist, journalisming, journalisming for once and talks about situational awareness being taken away from kids. We should pay attention to that and focus on what that actually means, that your kids are not paying attention to what is happening all around them. Well, of course, we know that that is not the only issue with screens and kids. It provides them a loss of attention, a loss of critical thinking skills, a loss of social skills. And parents, in light of being asked to take phones away from their kids or being asked to make sure that their kids only have phones when they're responsible enough to have them, the vast majority of parents, even Christian parents, as unconscionable as this is, will say something like this. Well, all their friends have one, and, and don't you don't want them to be weird, do you? And of course, we remember this from the Latchkey Kid generation, that we don't jump off a bridge just because our friends jump off a bridge. And then parents will even go further. You know, you want your kids to be liked, don't you? Well, listen, I am less interested in my kids fitting in in their social circles than I am in my kids being good people. So I'll ask you a question, whether you think it's fair or not. Do you want your kid to be the one who stepped in front of oncoming traffic and stopped that bus from careening and killing a bunch of children? 
Or do you want your kid to be the other group of children in that bus that day who were too busy watching their phones that they didn't even notice what was going on? Moreover, if you want your kids to be good, I think it's about time that we started looking in the mirror and asking ourselves if we are good parents. Just letting your kids do whatever they want and be whoever they want is not good parenting. But by and large, latchkey kids, that's what we were told as kids, you know, that boys will be boys and girls will be girls. You know, you let them, of course, maybe it's, it's girls will be boys today. But when we were kids, we were just kind of left on our own to be who we're supposed to be without intentional parenting. So we let our kids have phones today and we let our kids do as they wish we let our kids yell in the middle of public meetings where other people are talking, and we're not responsible for the behavior of our kids in social settings. We don't make them sit down and listen when ad other adults are talking. And as a result of it, our kids from the earliest of ages are learning to be irresponsible. So here's my suggestion to you as parents. Let your kids have a phone only when their boss needs to call them into work. And I know what you're thinking. Well, what about this? I want to be able to call my kids in case of an emergency. I want them to be able to call me in case of an emergency. Well, here's what I would say. If your kids are not responsible enough to pull down work on their free time, a part-time job, then they are not responsible enough to have a phone. So if they don't have a need for a boss to call them into work on their cell phone, then they have no business having a phone in the first place. Well, if you're going to do that, it might take some intentional parenting. It might take you being the father or the mother, perhaps, that you didn't have, and you thinking about what that actually looks like. In fact, it may even take a sense of spiritual renewal so that you can awaken to the ways in which you are actually part of the problem and not your children. Now, I know that may take a lot of self-reflection, but there is a book that is important to understand if we're going to self-reflect. And of course, that book that I'm talking about, we'll dig into in our final segment today, Bible Study with Democrats. Oh God of Pronouns. One of the ways or one of the consequences of that destruction of the nuclear family is the occurrence of prolonged adolescence. Now, this is something I've covered on the show before that Scientific America covered all the way back in 2017. And you can rest assured that prolonged adolescence is not only going out pace, but is way worse than it was back in 2017. But back in 2017, Scientific America declared that 18 is the new 25. And they did this by looking at things that 18-year-olds typically did from decades before and looked at the the people who were 18 in the present and whether or not they were participating in those same activities. And what Scientific America found is what we all know by common sense, that that adults are becoming mature later and later in life. As they suggested back in 2017, 18 is the new 25. And perhaps today in our present setting, 18 is the new 35. I don't know how you would quantify that exactly, or if Scientific America, who has a history of not being that scientific, is actually using the kind of metrics that we can trust in to, to believe that prolonged adolescence is really a bigger problem as we think it is. However, I would suggest that your own personal experience tells you that there are man babies trapped in the bodies of 35-year-olds all over this nation and even later than that men that do not act mature for their age. As a result, 
We have created a generation of spoiled, rotten adults who, like children, when they don't get their way, they pout, they shout, they name call, and they cry, and they stamp their foot until they get their way. Which is exactly what happened to Andrew Sedra, an Australian megachurch pastor, in a Daily Mail article. The article says this, Inside Australia's hateful anti-gay megachurch, Young church pastor says that homosexuality will never be normal and vile rant after launching a war on pride. Now, for those of you who do not know newspeak in the present, whenever anyone calls you hateful in the context of Christianity, you can almost always wear that as a badge of honor. Now, of course, there isn't any Christian that truly wants to be perceived as being hateful, but we have to understand what the word hateful actually means. And for that, I will show you an article that clearly expresses that what this article writer means by hateful is that Andrew Sedra just will not do what he has been coerced into doing. He will not give us what we want. Again, what this article writer is saying is just simply that I am suffering from prolonged adolescence and he is not doing what I like and he's not making me feel good. Therefore, he is hateful because he's not giving me what I want course, the refrain of every single child that has ever existed. Now, for proof of this very fact to help us interpret language, let's go to this article about the NHL, because the NHL just banned clubs from wearing pride warm-up jerseys. The league commissioner, Gary Bettman, acknowledged in a new interview with Sportsnet. Now, the writer will go on to say this. Congratulations, homophobes. Bettman and the NHL just gave you the biggest win you've had in sports in many years. Now, I hope you caught that, you bunch of homophobes. If you don't give us what we want, we will call you names. Let me give you the background here so that you know exactly what's going on. There have been some NHL players who have resisted being forced to wear the get-ups that the pride community has crammed down the throats of other NHL players. And as a result of that, the NHL finally said, all right, here, we're going to adopt a policy. We'll still celebrate Pride Night throughout the month of June. We're still going to do that because we don't have a backbone um, and we lack basic, you know, essential courage. So we're still going to have a Pride Night because we have to pander to this sexual minority. But what we won't do is we won't force our players to wear certain get-ups. We're not going to force them to wear warm-up jerseys that are covered in basically like a glitter factory vomiting all over them. Uh, We won't force them to wear that. And the moment that there is this one small concession made, we're not going to force you to wear these clothes. People in the mainstream media, like this writer, say that you bunch of homophobes got your way. So in other words, if you don't do what we want, you're a homophobe. If you don't do what we want, you're a bigot. If you don't do what we want, we will call you names endlessly until you give us our way. What I love about this is that this is also usually accompanied by this idea that the real welcoming people are the ones who welcome all identities and are totally inclusive of everyone. They're the truly loving ones. And of course, if you happen to disagree with us, then here's what we say. Get the hell out because you have no place here and you're not welcome here. Such tolerance coming from these radical leftists. Now, this is also on display. As a result of Starbucks pulling their pride decorations nationwide, there have been multiple locations around the United States where workers have revolted and are staging a strike because of these decorations. Now, this move proves nothing other than that these employees actually care nothing about their job. Their job is not 
internal decorators over at Starbucks. Their job is to pour coffee. But the moment these decorations are removed, of course, that is means for a protest among these people who are absolutely serious about their job. Or, in other words, we live in a world where seemingly everyone will bend over backwards, literally, sorry, to celebrate Pride Month and coddle weak-willed narcissistic fascists who wish to shut down anybody who disagree with them. Any small bit of resistance is considered hate because these people are so used to being accommodated. To the progressive legacy media and the LGBTQ activists who are typically one and the same, they only have two jobs. That is to affirm them, and then that is to march through every single institution and promote this agenda. When one person stands up and says, no, I'm not so much going to do that. Of course, the only thing that you can do is emotional blackmail to call them names and to call them things like hateful. Again, there's not a single Christian on the planet that wants to be known as hateful. That's not our job. In fact, we're supposed to be the most loving people in the community. But whenever there is a group of people that have been so lied to, one of the most uniquely loving things that we can do is tell them the truth. Why? Because there's nobody else in society that is going to have the backbone or the real true concern for these people to actually tell them the truth. It is incumbent upon pastors to stand up and tell them the truth regardless of the social repercussions of it because true love isn't necessarily interested in reputation. It's interested in these people and helping them grow up. If not simply because there is no room for LGBTQ activism in the scripture, but to show people that, hey, life is full of ups and downs and you're not always going to get your way. It may be one of the best lessons that you can learn in life. If your daddy didn't teach it to you, then let Andrew Sedra and other pastors with a backbone in a heart teach you this valuable lesson. Your way is not always the best way. And if you really want to have a society where the best ideas win, then probably coercion and shutting people down and calling them hateful names just when you don't get your way is not the best way to get there. In fact, affirmation isn't the best way to get there. Sure, affirmation is fun and it's good. But if you really want the best for people, you don't just affirm them where they're at, but you call the best out of them and you call them too more than they are right now. And that's exactly what Andrew Sedra is doing. But of course, he's being hated on by the mainstream media because they don't have the moral fortitude to actually stand up for what is right. But thankfully, pastors do. And there are more and more pastors doing it. Now, I also want to make sure to mention that there's really only one other reason that that Andrew Sedra is really being pinpointed and targeted by the Daily Mail. Yes, it's because these people are so used to being given their way that they don't know what to do when they don't get their way. But it's also because, and this is an important point, Andrew Sedra is telling the truth, and when he does so, he is very effective. Now, let me break that down for you. In a society where people have this understanding of Jesus as this inoffensive and lightweight individual who is so milquetoast that would never offend anybody— It is easy to understand why people totally misperceive Christianity in the present. Most people want an inoffensive Jesus because they don't want to really 
reckon with a Jesus that might actually change their attitude, their behavior, and their mindset. I mean, we truly have this understanding of Jesus that he was just so incredibly, insufferably loving and kind and obnoxious wherever he went that they just had to crucify him. They just had to kill him. I mean, it's like Jim Carrey from from In Living Color. Is this line for heterosexuals only? Uh, no. Good, because... I'm gay. Jesus was just so annoying that we had to get rid of him. But that's, that's not really the truth. Jesus actually got into a lot of trouble because he was willing to stand up against those who were willing to peddle lies, especially from an institutional standpoint. And telling the truth, as I said before, is one of the most radical acts of benevolence in a society that is bent so backwards that they can't even tell up from down. But most importantly, Andrew Sedra is being attacked by the mainstream media because he's effective. Now, this is important for you to understand. If you stand back and as a Christian, you point your finger at Andrew Sedra and you say, well, I've never been castigated as unloving or hateful. You know, there's a way to do this where you don't come off as being hateful. I just have to tell you a couple things about that. Bedside manner is probably the weakest argument on the planet. Yes, there is a right way to do the right thing. I get it. But honestly, the right thing should be the thing that we focus on and not necessarily the medium that it comes in. If we weren't a bunch of coddled, weak-willed people who desperately need dads in our life to help us, you know, deal with a little bit of tension and pressure, we would be able to understand that sometimes people don't present things in the best way possible. And let's just get to the truth of what's trying to be communicated. And then that might be better for all of us involved. But let me be really, really clear about something. As long as you're ineffective, as long as you stand back and don't ever enter the fray, you can point at the people in the arena and you can mock them and you can say that you can do better than them and that you have never had to deal with some of the backlash that they're dealing with because you're so much better than that individual. Or perhaps this, you've never actually really accomplished anything with your life and therefore no one has ever had to criticize you or mock you because you've never actually accomplished anything. Now, I know this is a bitter pill to swallow, but the reality is, is there's a bullseye on your back when you're good at something. It is only when you stand for something that people can finally start critiquing you. If no one is critiquing you and criticizing you, it could be that you're not actually standing for anything. Well, like Christians of the past, I hope that's not true of you. St. Athanasian said this, if the world is against the truth, then I am against the world. Perhaps the world has gotten so much to a place where it is against Christianity that it's time for you to be willing to take some of the name calling because you are willing to actually take a stand. And it's time for you to acknowledge that if maybe you're not being called names, it could be that you're actually just not standing for anything. But the more we do, the more we can actually make a difference. And I, for one, am glad Andrew Sedra is doing it. We just need more of it. Thanks so much for watching. It's all the time we have for today. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and go with God.